everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Heracles, Heracles, Heracles. That guy, am I right? Oh, hi, hello. This is Let's Talk About Myths, baby. And I am your host, Liv, here with the episode I meant to tell last week before I got overwhelmed by all the other fun and good times associated with the origins of Mr. Heroic himself, Heracles, Hercules, you know the one. Last week, I gave you the origins of the hero of all heroes, a refresher on an old story, and a whole slew of new details as well. Because that's basically the story of this podcast. The things I've learned since those early episodes and the sheer volume I can now talk about any single character in mythology. And here's the thing about Heracles... He really was the hero of heroes. I don't say that because he's my favorite, he definitely is not. But in the grand scheme of Greek and Roman mythology and Greek and Roman history even, Heracles was huge. He spanned both civilizations, and I think there's even reference to him and or a Heracles-style figure like well into the rest of European mythologies. This man, with a club and a lion skin, really got around, really spread those notions of so-called heroism. But Heracles is also one of the most complex Greek heroes, or even characters in general, of mythology as a whole. He did good, and he did very, very bad. 
He experienced PTSD from war and from crimes against his family that were spurred on by an angry goddess. Heracles really had it all, and I think that's why he stayed so important for so long. That and he was also really important in Rome, which, you know, just carried a lot of weight as the centuries went on. Hercules in Rome was a god of gladiators. It was said that he visited the famous city of Herculaneum, and so it was named after him. That's the other city alongside Pompeii, the less famous one destroyed by Vesuvius. He was said to have created the Pillars of Heracles all the way at the Strait of Gibraltar. Really, Heracles was it. But today we're not diving into all that. That'll come slowly as we periodically put together more and more on the story of Heracles. Today, one of his lesser-known exploits in a city known for a very different, very famous war. This is episode 126, Always Getting Sacked, Heracles and the Lesser Sacking of Troy. Troy, 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 Troy. Last week, I reminded you of poor Ganymede, who was abducted by Zeus, presumably assaulted, as it was Zeus, and brought to live on Mount Olympus, where he became a cupbearer to the gods. His father, Laomedon, or I'm realizing now I probably should have gone with his father being Tross, see there are competing versions, but Tross being the boy's father and the founder of Troy... Makes the most obvious sense. And he is typically, if not always, considered the founder of Troy. But the horses are often referred to as Laomedons, and it's Laomedon whose story we're telling today. Sometimes you guys, I really wish the Greeks would have chatted more with each other over the centuries and gotten their stories a little more straight. But how can I tell this story without confusing the ever-living fuck out of you? So... We're still going to call the king in question the king of Troy, Laomedon. And for the sake of the story, we're going to stick with Ganymede being Laomedon's son. But, well, now you know there was also a guy named Tross, who obviously gave his name to the city. Anyway, this king, who we're calling Laomedon, was given in return for the loss of his beloved son, Horses. Very fancy, very immortal, horses. And that, that is what matters. And that wasn't all of the godly intervention in the growth of the city of Troy. Because once more, from that very recent episode, after the attempted coup on Zeus, Poseidon and Apollo were forced to build walls around the city of Troy in penance for their role. They did this, and the walls were, much like the immortal horses, epic. They were very, very good walls. They were tall and strong and pretty, I imagine, just really great walls. And so, somewhere along the way, Poseidon determined that he was 
owed something for these walls, even though building them was also a punishment for him. It doesn't make all the sense in the world, but that's what happened. According to Apollodorus, actually, it was because the two gods just offered to build the walls and that they all agreed that they'd be paid. But I mean, does that sound like something the gods would do? No, I prefer the punishment for a coup. Regardless, Apollo and Poseidon built the walls around Troy. But when they were done, well, Laomedon didn't want to pay. Obviously a huge mistake, because I mean, it's Poseidon. Oh, and it seems like Apollo just didn't really care. Respect. If there's any god in the pantheon, though, that I wouldn't want to anger, it's Poseidon. Like, I give Zeus a lot of shit, and he deserves it. But Poseidon is under the radar absolute worst of the Greek gods. He's just like a dark and violent monster to Zeus's jovial, light-hearted rapist. Greek mythology is the real fucked up issue here. In what might be one of the least surprising developments on this entire show, when Laomedon refused to pay Poseidon for his work in building the epic walls around the city of Troy, Poseidon set about punishing the king. Which I mean, duh. Laomedon, what part of you thought you were going to get away with not paying a god, let alone Poseidon? Just seems like a very stupid thing to do, is all. And what does Poseidon do when someone refuses to pay him what he believes he's owed and he wants to punish them? Well, he sends a sea monster, of course. (laughs) When Laomedon refuses to pay Poseidon for building the epic walls of Troy, Poseidon sends a sea monster to terrorize Troy. This monster is called the Trojan Ketos, That is, not the famous Keto of Medusa's parentage fame, but a more generic sea monster whose entire purpose in the mythology is this moment, this one moment here in Troy. And so, the people of Troy and their king, Laomedon, find themselves being regularly terrorized by this horrible sea creature. One that, according to some sources, can even travel on land and thus is really quite a problem for these people. Of course, in an ancient mythological city, when one is faced with a sea monster terrorizing their waters, sacrifice must be paid. Human sacrifice isn't often a thing in Greek mythology. It tends to be reserved for appeasing monsters sent by the gods, like sea monsters and the Minotaur. Except in the case of Agamemnon, who you might remember sacrificed his own daughter for some good wind. There's a reason he's such a famous shit. But as with Andromeda and the sea monster in Ethiopia, this sea monster of Troy also requires sacrifice of young women ladies have all the luck. Now, some sources suggest that the Trojans had to sacrifice a number of young women to the Trojan Ketos over a period of time, with a particular woman sacrificed last, and that's where Heracles comes in. 
or alternately, that only that one woman had to be sacrificed after the oracle advised it was the only way to stop this monster. However it went down, there came a time when Laomedon's own daughter, a woman named Hesione, was set to be sacrificed to appease the Trojan Ketos. As one might expect, this wasn't actually something Laomedon wanted to do. He'd already lost his son, Ganymede, to Zeus, and this would essentially mean losing his daughter, Hesione, to Poseidon. But he also couldn't get out of sacrificing her, or at least presenting her to be sacrificed to the monster, because it would mean the end of his newly built and beautifully walled city. So, as a means of attempting to avoid this fate for his daughter, Laomedon announced that he would give his fancy immortal horses to anyone who could defeat the sea monster and thus save his daughter. Enter, as I've already spoiled, Heracles. You see, Heracles happened to be passing by the waters of Troy on one of his many journeys through the region. Was this the time he sailed with the Argonauts in quest of the Golden Fleece? Quite possibly. Or was it the time that he was traveling to or from Themyscira, the land of the Amazons? Once more, different sources give us different time frames. But the point remains, on one of his journeys, Heracles happened to pass by the waters of Troy, and he happened to notice that well, there was this woman chained to a rock far out into the sea and she was being approached by a horrifying sea monster. It's scary stuff. Heracles, being this hero of heroes, couldn't let this stand. And I mean, good, I would hope most of us would behave that way if we were in a similar situation and sailing through the world of mythology only to come across a woman about to be devoured by a terrible sea creature. And so, in an act that isn't really described in any of the sources, Heracles rescues Hesione from the Trojan Ketos and kills the monster. Having done so, he arrives in Troy feeling pretty good about himself. He rolls up to Laomedon victorious. I like to imagine he made a real show out of saying, you're welcome, in the most obnoxious of ways. And thus, he believed he was to receive the immortal horses. And in some sources, he would also marry Hesione. Because, you know, the ladies, they were property. But, Heracles asks, that Laomedon hold on to one or both of Heracles' prizes while he completes whatever journey he's on. I find it most believable to understand that this happened while Heracles was on board the Argo, en route with all those other heroes to find the Golden Fleece in Colchis. According to that take on the story, Heracles is quite understandably asking that he not be expected to bring 12 immortal horses and possibly a woman on board the Argo, a ship that must already be quite full with that many heroes on board. Laubadon agrees, and Heracles heads on his merry way, planning to return as soon as he can and claim his fancy immortal horses. And maybe the woman. (music) 
Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Time goes on. Heracles continues on his various heroic tasks, intending to return to Troy to retrieve his prized, fancy immortal horses. But at some point along the way, or some say it happened the very moment Heracles succeeded in rescuing Hesini in the first place, or maybe when he actually arrived back in Troy, Laomedon decides that he will not be giving Heracles those fancy immortal horses. Seriously, Laomedon needs to do some real soul-searching and sort out exactly why he feels the need to bring so much horror down upon himself. Like, I mean, dude, we get it. Sometimes it sucks being immortal in the god's world, but you really should prioritize your dissenting views. Poseidon builds you walls? Pay him. Poseidon sends a sea monster because you didn't pay him and a hero defeats a sea monster, thus saving your city. Pay him. Just pay them, my dude. Just do it and pretend like you have some vague kind of control in your life because for real, the alternative always ends up being way worse than just paying up for what you've been given. 
Anyway, Laomedon decides he wants to keep his immortal horses all to himself, and he somehow conveys this to Heracles wherever he is at the time. Because, according to some sources, when Heracles finally returns to Troy, he is fully prepared to absolutely fuck up the city in return for Laomedon's refusal. And in an attempt to get those damn immortal horses. They're really fucking fancy horses. They're totally worth an all-out war. Heracles arrives in Troy, ready to fuck shit up. He brings with him six ships of men, or maybe 18, depending who you're reading. Either way, he arrives with a naval power, and very, very prepared to wage a war against Troy and Laomedon in return for the horses. That's what happened in some versions of the story, but in those versions, we don't actually hear anything about the events in Troy itself. But I want to tell you about the events in Troy, so we're going to go with another version. See, there are no existing early sources that I could find, though a few writers much later than Homer and the usual bunch did like they weighed in on the story. It's another instance of the existence of the story being ancient, as in from the time of Homer, like we know that Homer knew that Heracles went to Troy, but the story itself wasn't written down or it didn't survive except when later writers did take it on in very diverse versions, thus adding to the trouble that is this podcast. The writer Diodorus actually gives us two possibilities for what happened, both of which require Heracles to not know that he's not getting the horses quite yet, but to be returning to Troy to get them. And both happen when Heracles is on his way back from Colchis with the Argonauts in tow. According to Diodorus, they stop in Troy then, looking for those horses. Of course, this doesn't make a ton of sense, given in the most prominent version of that story, the Argonautica, Heracles is left behind when he goes in search of Hylas on an island. But as I have often had to tell you, again, such is Greek mythology. It's hard to keep a coherent narrative when everyone's telling their own stories and sometimes writing them down over the course of nearly a millennia. According, though, to one of these possibilities presented by Diodorus, Heracles and the Argonauts arrive there in the Troad, the region of Troy, and Heracles sends two of his men, his own brother Iphicles and Telamon, to visit King Laomedon, asking for the horses that Heracles is owed. The men remind the king of the time Heracles saved the king's daughter from that horrible sea monster. You remember, don't you? They ask him as if he could have forgotten. And well, Laomedon doesn't exactly tell the men that he'd forgotten. He just refuses to give them the horses or Hesione, who we're to believe here was choosing to marry Heracles. Isn't that nice? And yeah, instead, he just imprisons Iphicles and Telamon. Laomedon locks them away and then plots for how to ambush Heracles and his remaining men and ships. He plans this, discussing it with various people in his circles, including all of his sons, though we're not told how many. What we care about is there's only one man, one of Laomedon's sons, who is actually against his plan to ambush and take out Heracles and his men. Priam. Yes, that Priam don't remember Priam, we'll get there. 
Laomedon's son, Priam, argues that not only should they not ambush Heracles, but that they should just, you know, honor their agreements and give him the horses as they promised. What a weird idea. But Lamadon and the others don't go for it. They still want to ambush the hero who I imagine by this point is pretty famous and maybe they should know better than to try to best Heracles. But then if they did, what boring stories we would have. Priam, meanwhile, is annoyed that his advice isn't being taken. And so he chooses to smuggle two swords into Laomedon's prisoners, Iphicles and Telamon. With these swords, they're able to kill the guards and escape their imprisonment. They return to the ships and to Heracles, where he learns what Laomedon is really up to. Now, they've got the upper hand. Laomedon and his men were either still plotting or just hadn't pounced yet. But Heracles and his men do pounce right away, and bing bang boom, Heracles and his men completely take out Troy, kill Laomedon and everyone that sided with him in his little deception, and eventually install Priam as the new king of Troy, because he was the one who actually had some honor in the whole mess. Priam, as you may remember, goes on to marry Hecuba, if they weren't married already, and they have some kids whose names you might recognize. Hector, Cassandra, and Paris, among many others. Because barely even a generation later, poor Troy is faced with yet another onslaught by the Greeks. Though I would argue they didn't entirely deserve this second one, or if they did, they didn't deserve the way it turned out. You know, a thousand ships sailing from the Greek world to Troy, camping out on their beaches, pillaging and abducting all the people in all the neighboring towns, killing, raping literally everyone, staying there for ten fucking years as the battle rages on and on and on, all because one man's wife left him and his brother just happened to be a hardcore warmonger looking for any excuse to wage an unending war on a nice place like Troy. That, if you didn't gather, was a very, very brief and nonsensical summary of the Iliad. Now, according to some further obscure and vague sources, after Heracles and his men had successfully sacked Troy, killed the king and all his men, and installed the soon-to-be-very-famous king, Priam, they sailed off towards, honestly, who knows where at this point. Heracles went everywhere. But the point is, they were blown off their course by Hera in one of her many, many attempts to do away with Heracles, her husband's most famous son. They blew off course and landed instead on the island of Kos, where, for one reason or another, Heracles may have sacked the town, again, killed the king, Eurypolis, and had sex with his daughter, Chalciope. She obviously got pregnant. I say this firstly because I love the name Chalciope and just wanted a reason to say it out loud to you, but secondly, I really want to emphasize how many children by how many women Heracles actually had. 
This was obviously due to his histories revolving around so very much travel and sacking of cities and seducing women and assaulting women. We often don't know whether it was consensual or not, but one might imagine that actually women did go after Heracles an awful lot, given his stature, his heroism, and their lack of standing beyond ownership by men. I mean, if you're going to marry somebody, why not Heracles? Regardless, so many kids... Again, this was due to the travel, but it was also due to the number of regions and storytellers that would want to claim Heracles in an ancestral sense. You were inherently more important if Heracles had gone to your town and fathered children, because it meant that his blood lived on there. This was the case for gods too, but there really isn't another hero whose bloodline is anything like Heracles nor whose bloodline would mean as much as Heracles' did. It was an honor, a privilege. It was everything if you or someone you knew or just your region in general could somehow relate yourselves to Heracles, to Hercules, this hero of all heroes. This sacking of Troy by Heracles, while not discussed in detail in many, if any, surviving ancient sources, was a really important moment. It's a moment that links so many histories within the mythology together. Heracles as the most famous, most important of the Greek heroes, and the city of Troy one of the most famous of Greek adversaries. It also gives us a peek into the timeline of the mythology. There aren't many places where you can actually track a timeline in Greek myth, and so normally I just don't recommend trying it at all. But there are certain aspects of the Trojan War, because of the Iliad, where we can actually determine generally when certain things happened in relation to other things. Because of the Iliad, we know that Heracles came about a generation before the Trojan War. He interacted with Priam, who was young then, but the king during the Trojan War. And some of his children, Heracles' children, were in the war itself. And then because Heracles is a descendant of Perseus, we know that Perseus would have come even more generations before that. Most of the main Greek heroes are referenced in the Iliad as events that happened in the past. Bellerophon is another. He's his, I think his son or grandson is in the war. I don't think Theseus is, but that's probably because he was an Athenian hero and Athens barely figures into the Iliad at all. Their power and importance came much later from a historical perspective. Anyway, I find these bits fascinating because they actually provide a set timeline in a way that so little of what we have does. And then it leads me to my age-old complaint of, oh gods, just think of what we don't have. All the epics, the, all the whole epic cycle, my heart. But thank the gods, we have the Iliad and the Odyssey, where we learn of Heracles' sacking of Troy for the first time, where we know it came that early on, and that they knew way back when Homer so-called, wrote these stories that it had happened, where we get these earliest of details. 
most notably when Sarpedon of Lycia, a son of Zeus and one of the strongest men on the side of Troy, faces down the Greek Telepolemus, the son of Heracles himself. And so we will end today's episode with a little bit of the Iliad. In this scene, we get a real sense of how they understood these generational heroes, because we have Telepolemus, who is the son of Heracles and very proud of that, talking to Sarpedon, who is the son of Zeus. But Sarpedon is considered a much less impressive son of Zeus than this man's father, Heracles. It's sort of a generational gap, like a reminder that Heracles was Zeus's best child, but that he had so many other children who were like sort of average and just like weren't all that special, even though they were the children of Zeus. So it's really fascinating to see how they understood these like generational aspects of children of the gods and how not everyone was created equal. And so I give you just a quick sampling of the Iliad. Presently, the strong hand of fate impelled Telepolemus, the son of Heracles, a man both brave and of great stature, to fight Sarpedon. So the two, son and grandson of Zeus, drew near to one another, and Telepolemus spoke first. Sarpedon, said he, counselor of the Lycians, why should you come skulking here, you who are a man of peace? They lie who call you son of Aegis-bearing Zeus, for you are little like those who were of old his children. Far other was Heracles, my own brave and lion-hearted father, who came here for the horses of Laomedon, and though he had six ships only and few men to follow him, sacked the city of Ilius and made a wilderness of her highways." You are a coward and your people are falling from you. For all your strength and all your coming from Lycia, you will be no help to the Trojans, but will pass the gates of Hades vanquished by my hand. And Sarpedon, captain of the Lycians, answered, Telepolemus, your father overthrew Ilius by reason of Laomedon's folly in refusing payment to one who had served him well. He would not give your father the horses which he had come so far to fetch. As for yourself, you will meet death by my spear. You shall yield glory to myself and your soul to Hades of the noble steeds. Oh, nerds, you know how much I just love to read from the ancient sources. <laughs> Lately, I seem to find any reason to recite a passage in an episode. It's fun, but it also lends so much to the telling of these stories when you know that I'm reading something that was written then. I mean, translated, sure. I wish I could fully speak Greek. I cannot. But it, but it was written then. It was believed then. And that was such a huge part of the Greek world and their mythology, Greek history as a whole, especially the Iliad. I mean, is any text more important? <sighs> 
Anyway, for real, I just love all of this so fucking much. I'm so thrilled and honored and privileged that I get to do this every week and have so many of you super cool nerds listening to me. For real, who would have thought so many thousands of people would want to listen to a woman spout about the patriarchy and feminism and Greek mythology? It's badass, and I thank you. Love you all so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming along on this ride with me. What a time. I am Liv, and I love this shit. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.